start the intro. Oh, I wanted to talk first. Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. <laughs> I guess I, I got to redo it now. <laughs> I talked over you, didn't I? All right. Are, are we good? No, I want to talk. I you want, want to talk? I, okay. I, I, yeah, no, I want to talk. Go ahead. Because We're still recording. Are we recording? Yeah. Because you got this new mic. Mike's got a new mic for me. Oh, he's got a gadget on the mic, and it sounds really good. So I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> it's my beatbox. Corey's good. <laughs> now, I, I planted some beats in a box once. That was my beatbox. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the new Dynamite. It is a preamp. And it has dropped Corey's mic level, for those of you that are techie nerds, from a 35 gain down to 9. How, could, mean, I, how could I make that a weight loss, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we are both running dynamites. And hopefully the um, sound is a little quieter in the background because we have more gain before. It's called preamp gain. Okay. Enough with the tech. Let's start the podcast. Oh, but... <laughs> He's taking away my joys, the small joys of life. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are coming at you from the Cottage Studios in Independence, Missouri. Welcome. We uh, are just going to... We're going to go right into conversation today. I don't have a specific topic and see where we end up. And so we invite you back. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We welcome you into that conversation. You know, I I don't know if I ever really shared with you, but I was told in my patriarchal blessing words that told me, and this was before the church ever kind of went in a zillion directions, Mm -hmm. um, to... You know, stay with the church. It was his church, known among men as the reorganized church, and all that. And I, and I don't take that to mean now that anyone who went to the restoration somehow was violated that. I don't think that at all. I used to because I used to have this idea that it was just. I mean, it was almost branch specific. That okay, this branch is the right branch. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. And all those things made me miss the change of heart that scripture talks about, you know? Right. And so I think, I think that's the problem with all of it when it comes down to it is that we miss the point of the change of heart. And then we think it comes down to how we execute a certain aspect of doctrine. Right. A lot of times I hear the, um, the phrase that, well, we have to protect the flock. And so if you really think about what does that phrase mean and where is it coming from? from the point of view of the elders or the priesthood that, um, you know, kind of run the church and guide how it operates, where does that saying of protecting the flock, what does that really mean to them? And what's, what's their, where's their spirit at behind that? Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of feelings, what kind of thoughts are they having when they say those kind of things? Is there a fear that, um, if people in the church hear some doctrine that's not, of the Lord that they're going to follow that. And so then if that's, if that's a fear, is that a warranted fear or, or do we not have faith in a Holy spirit that's given to each member when they're baptized to guide them to all truth? It says to bear record of truth. And so why, why do we feel like, and is that anywhere in the scriptures where it says you have to protect the flock? Mm. I know it talks about wolves entering in among you, but, um, yeah, the protection of the flock is, uh, oh, you know, I, I don't doubt the protection aspect, but that's always left up to people's interpretation. And unfortunately, when you tell a little eight-year-old child, you can't take communion here, you know. and But then it opens up the door to the questions that the church has already addressed, which have offended a lot of people, is that, well, then, you know, whose, whose baptism do you respect and whose authority do you respect? And that's ultimately what all these questions come, come mm-hmm. back to. Is, is does someone actually have authority? And I kind of look at the question from the Book of Mormon aspect that where did Alma's authority come from? He was he was in King Noah's wicked court, you know. Zenith was this guy who left Zarahemla a couple generations before, overzealous to inherit the land of his forefathers. And then when the Lamanites 
and him had skirmishes. You know, eventually there's this people who a couple generations later weren't as righteous as their forefathers. Uh, the original people of Zenith were, but nevertheless, they fell into generations of wickedness when Abinadi came. And then all of a sudden, you have this Abinadi preaching to a wicked descendants of who were originally good people. But the point being, Alma takes a group of people baptizes them in the wilderness, and he has authority, apparently, from God to do that. The Spirit is upon him. He speaks. You know, he's had this change of heart. My question is, I mean, is it does it kind of speak to our issue today that, hey, authority didn't come to him from someone who was even righteous, but he, he was called a priest, uh, however that came to pass. Nevertheless, he acts in the name of God and does God's work and converts people and becomes the head of the church in Zarahemla. And his, his missionary efforts become the thing that changed the complexion of the society. And so I, I come back to that. Where did his authority come from? You know, Right. Well, if you've ever, <clears throat> I think, I, I find it intriguing to think about what we label as sin. So, there's been times in my life when I've thought that the Lord was guiding me or leading me, and then I look back and I think, well, that was either my own emotion. And, you know, a good brother uh, sent out a, a question this week, and maybe we can address that later, about discerning, basically discerning the Holy Spirit and how do we mm-hmm. understand if it's emotional or if it's actually the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if there's a more difficult question to answer or a more <laughs> profound question to answer yeah, because really. if you if you get that down, boy, it's smooth sailing right into the kingdom, right? No kidding. That's, yeah. that's the... Yeah. Hey, we'll be the podcast of the century if we can nail that. <laughs> we just unlocked this secret. All yeah. the world will be ours. Well, That's wow. really... Uh, I don't think there is... There's Well, I know there's no easy answer to that, at least for my own personal experience of knowing the difference. But at times we think the Lord has shared something with us and we may look back in retrospect and say he didn't. But again, we lay sometimes too many things on ourselves. God created us. He gave us our finite minds with limited understanding that we are to be stewards over and to grow in relationship with him and he tells us that we grow step by step. We get more light and truth as we exercise stewardship over the light and truth that's given to us. We don't receive everything at once, and, and neither did Jesus. When, he was, when, when, the, when God came down and took on flesh and blood, he grew. It says grace to grace. Mm, yeah. So is it sin to be in a state in your life where you're doing your absolute best to follow what you believe God is leading you to do? And if in your heart you're trying to follow the Lord with all of your heart, um, you know, should you be denied membership into certain branches or should you be denied the opportunity to take communion? Um, And then we get in, when I ask that question, I think we get into looking at the doctrine of Christ as defined in the Book of Mormon, and that's a very interesting thing. And and, uh, I know down the road we have a series that we want to do that just says what does the Book of Mormon say or what does the Book of Mormon teach about. And one of those, I think, is to start off with is just the doctrine of Christ. What does it say? Exactly. And so I think sometimes people are following the Lord. They're following with all of their heart. And and then we um, just fellowship or say they're not worthy of certain fellowships or, or rites or able to take the sacrament or whatever because of where they may be attending church. And I just, that's really, it's really sticky, isn't it? What kind of sin was in the person that baptized them? I mean, you you could just go into so many different directions and was the baptism right? And how do we judge harshly in one area with all these other things to think about? I don't know. Well, you know, I, uh, I, you know, we want to be zealous in all things and we, we want to be, seekers of truth and 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 the problem is we we look at doctrine as being the dividing line between you know who's who's right and who isn't and and we forget the change of heart that that's ultimately what the judgment comes by and and um there's there's a couple of good words of counsel i think that come to mind on this one's from the book of mormon in moroni 7 
in the RLDS version, and, and I'll bring up the LDS version here in a second. But in the Book of Mormon, we get a flavor of this, and it's so general, but it's so specific too. It says the Spirit of Christ is given to every man that they can know good from evil. So so that's a, a principle, you know, it's just laid out that we can know good from evil because God's spirit is in us. Whether we, I even take this to mean whether or not we even acknowledge Christ, you know, we could say we're atheist, but it's that spirit within us, call it our soul, or whatever, that gives us the ability to know right and wrong in a general sense, whether or not we acknowledge God. It's it's part of the human condition. But the counsel from the Book of Mormon says, Wherefore, I show unto you the way to judge. Everything that invites you to do good and to persuade to believe in Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. Now, that's you can kind of apply that in a lot of ways, but it basically says the same thing as the Doctrine and Covenants in section uh, 10. It says, put your trust in that spirit which leads to do good, to walk justly, humbly, righteously, and this is my spirit. So when you, you know, when you look at our life and you say, hey, did, did whatever this spirit or feeling that I had persuade me to do good, persuade me to do something righteous, to be humble, to be just, it says we're supposed to trust in that because that's God's spirit. And so most people you know, would say if they did something in that under that banner— you know, it led me to do good. And if it was if it was a righteous judgment because of the Spirit of Christ, the Scriptures teach us that's God persuading us, you know. But yet the whole thing is it's it comes back to the heart of man. You could take this to an extreme, you know. You could say, well, in the Crusades back in the Middle Ages, that they were persuaded to do good to kill all the Muslims and the Jews. You know, they killed as many Jews as they killed Muslims. That probably wasn't Christ persuading them, but they thought that was a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. In the end, I think it comes back to the the end, the, the purpose that drives us is, hey, is it to do something good? But here's the problem in our day, and this is where, you know, it's torn up churches, not just even in the Restoration, but specifically in the Restoration, because then we come to points of doctrine and we decide it's only going to be good, we're only going to be honoring Christ if we carry this specific aspect of the doctrine out to the nth degree. You know, I've heard of some congregations where now only the elders can serve communion because they take a certain aspect of Section 17 mm-hmm. of the Doctrine of Covenants and say, well, you know, and I'm not going to go there right, right. now, but that's, you know what I'm talking about. Well, unfortunately, that was a historical document given for a certain reason back in the day when there were only four presiders in a church. You had an elder, priest, teacher, and deacon, and they were the pastorate, to use our common language. The reason the Doctrine and Covenant, and, and all the churches in Joseph Smith's day were set up that way. The reason I'm kind of drilling down into this is because it, it applies to this general question. The, the reason the Scripture said specifically that if the elders there, the priest isn't to serve, is because that was talking about these four guys who were in charge of the congregations. That's how congregations were. You had a presiding priest, presiding deacon, presiding teacher, and a presiding elder. And the elder was in charge, but if he wasn't there, the priest was in charge. If those two weren't there, the teacher was in charge. If those three weren't there, the deacon was in charge. That's something most people don't know about our church history. But the reason I share this is because now, because we've assumed we know all things, and this must be something that honors God if we take this little aspect of of a revelation that really is a little bit taken out of context and say, well, we're going to honor God more by saying only elders can serve. How is the, the one thing is that's a wrong interpretation of that scripture. That's not why it was there. But yet people now feel motivated that, that I'm going to honor God more if I keep this exactly. But it's almost to the exclusion of everything else. You know, we're going to make sure elders can serve, but we aren't going to serve this eight-year-old because she was baptized in some other congregation. I mean, how is that loving, right? right? How is that, you know, so you see this contrast where people, you know, it's like the Jews had the same problem. I think it said they strain at the gnat, I think was, the, you know, and then they miss the, I don't know, with the camel or whatever. Uh-huh. But that that's the point is that we're, we're missing the bigger thing is that <clears throat> this is to honor Christ. This is to 
to to bring people closer to him and and when we sometimes grab doctrine and take it to the nth degree and miss the bigger picture that's where the divisions occur i think you know what what's more important to to let an 8-year-old child who cuz you've heard of this you know I, I know we we've talked about it probably maybe not on the podcast but when when a, when a little girl is told because she was baptized into their congregation in the restoration and we can't honor that but yet we're going to make sure we honor this other thing I, I don't know we've missed the bigger point i think yeah yeah i think um people may say that this isn't a valuable conversation i find it extremely valuable because when you really think about why we discuss these nuances and these things that go on, you really drill down and, and look deep into a certain spirit that is at work. And you remember when we were reading about Alma and the Zoramites, mm-hmm. and we got to that one portion where I never picked this out before, but I saw a different spirit at work mm-hmm. that I it kind of opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. And it was that spirit that um, said, not only were the Zoramites, and they were remember they were the ones that were up on the Ramiumptum saying, oh God, saying the same re- repetitive prayer, thank you that we are blessed. But there was one point in that that we picked out that became evident, I think, in real time as we were recording the podcast, and that was, you know, thank you that you have chosen us, and thank you that, you know, basically that there's another group that is not chosen, you know, mm-hmm. that is going to be going to hell and that we are better than them. Yeah. And so you can't be thankful that you're the chosen group without um, having there be a lesser group. And yeah. that's, and that's yeah. kind of we got into that a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing worship. You can't be... Um, you can't be thankful or that you're special without realizing that other people aren't special. And so there's a freedom that comes when you realize that you're the most special creation that God has ever made in all the history of the world. But at the same time, you realize that your brother next to you is also the most special creation that's ever been made, and God loves him just as much. And so everybody's on an equal playing field, and there's no more reason to strive or to have pride or anger or jealousy when you totally understand God's love for you. Yeah. Because when you understand that, all of that goes away because you realize, I don't have to impress God. (laughs) I can't. I can't impress God. And so maybe there's an underlying spirit, I believe, driving these kind of discussions where we decide, like you said, um, you know, only elders will serve communion or um, you go to a conference that believes in certain beliefs. And so when you come to our converse congregation, you're not allowed to take sacrament. Well, there's a spirit behind that. So what you're really saying is we have a greater portion of the truth. Mm-hmm. We have a greater connection to the body of Christ. We're tied to Jesus more than you. And you're, you're not tied to him the way we are. And so we can't allow you to fellowship and to have the sacrament. Right. And then we would probably add the caveat, but we're not judging you. Well, you both certainly are judging (laughs) him. And then I realize that we can't open it up to no baptism or baptism of another branch or, you know, you haven't been baptized, so you don't take the sacrament. There are certain laws and procedures the Lord's put in place, but do... (laughs) But do we string those out and really use them to beat each other up and make ourselves feel better? So, right. You know, that's what you just said, though, I was going to say is sums up my, my favorite little saying, we're all just walking each other home. You know, by, by what you just stated so well is that, you know, we're on this level playing field where none of us impress God. And so what we can do to bring people to him, uh, what we think is bringing into him, you know, separates us. I, I don't know. I, I would have to say sometimes there are words that cause us to wonder, for instance, where it says, you know, be baptized by someone with authority. You know, that word authority is in the in the Book of Mormon. And so then that's where the division comes because some of us in our general restoration want to say, well, this person has authority and this other one doesn't. And that's, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, you know, and, and again, we, we start splitting hairs of all this stuff. And I think this points to the reason why 3 Nephi 7 exists. And that's where it talks about when the Gentiles finally reject the fullness of the gospel, that my gospel is going to go back to house of Israel. And it's like, 
I just think we're inviting and we're missing the bigger picture and we're missing the bigger message. And because of that, um, this is all just evidence of that, that someone's going to come back to this original pure word of God and say, hey, God came down and took on flesh and my heart has to change and I need to love people. <laughs> wow, what a cool what a cool gospel. Why hasn't anyone ever told me this before? Right. Well, because we've been arguing about who's got authority and who's this and who's that, you know? Hey, Corey, so um, I was thinking today, we, did, we didn't have a set um, script to follow and you and I said- When have we ever? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think um, sometimes we have a general idea of what we're going to talk about and, um, but- I thought today, uh, we said to one another, let's just do what we did from the very beginning and why we started this. Two friends, we're, we would get together this morning anyway. It would just be Starbucks rather than recording right. our conversation. And we would sit down and we would just begin talking about the gospel. And so that's what we're doing today. But as you have already been talking, and I started the recording basically when you walked in today, as we've already been talking, I have written down, my mind's been stimulated to a number of things. And so... One thing I wanted to share along this same line is this spirit that is alive and well in the restoration and among all religions. You remember we say we, because we go and because we fellowship with people in the restoration, that's the, um, that's the group that we, that we talk about. And so last week at Costco, I was shopping with my wife doing, so this is going to air after way after Thanksgiving, but in reality, this is the week of Thanksgiving when we're recording this. I was walking in Costco. We had a little date night, Friday night, like we always do and often do. And we were, uh, all of a sudden I come around the corner and my shopping cart stops and there's a saint, Latter-day Saint that I used to go to church with a long time ago. And uh, we had some small talk for for a bit. And he said, I finally listened to a full, was able to take in an episode of your podcast. And I said, oh, did you, Beyond the Veil? And no, it wasn't the first one. It was actually the podcast that was, where we discussed life after death, section 76 in the Doctrine and Covenants. That's a hard place to jump in the middle. (laughs) So realizing that um, I think we did five or six episodes on eternal life, there was a lot to cover. That was the final episode, I believe. But um, he said, out of the blue, he said, I really hope you and Corey understand and come to a common understanding that hell has actual physical fire. No, I wonder. No. What, I wonder his why phrase, was, his exact phrase was, "I hope, I hope that you and Corey come to understand that hell is a physical fire." And mm. so I sat there for a minute and I thought, out of everything we talked about in eternal life, <laughs> did we address that specific? <laughs> it's and funny I how thought, people pick up on a certain. Point, I, yeah. yeah. So my mind was taken. I think you and I were discussing a certain point, and at one point you quoted a scripture and you said, "Oh, oh and by the way, the Book of Mormon says that torment is as a lake of fire." And um, and that was the only thing that was said about it. And so I asked him, I said, why? Why do you hope that? And I think he he didn't understand my question. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, you just said you hope, you hope, Corey and I understand that it's a physical fire. I said, why do you hope that? What is that hope based in? Do you, does that, are you hoping that by understanding that, we'll understand how to love each other more? We'll mm-hmm. understand the love of Christ for us more? Why is that an important fact to understand? Because to me, the point of the scriptures is God's using wordage to show us what a terrible, terrible thing it is to be separated from the love of God. And whether it's as a lake of fire or whether I'm physically being burned at that point, it won't matter because my soul will be in such torture. Right. So I didn't understand the line. And so we proceeded to go up and down every aisle in Costco as we discussed this <laughs> <Discussing> situation. <laughs> and I good. didn't, it wasn't equitable to me, but at one point I want to point out this spirit that's, and I don't believe this brother had any, I don't know what his intention was. I do think there was a bad spirit at work here because I could feel it attacking me. And it said at one point I said, well, I don't believe that. I said, this is the intention of what we were saying And he responded back, well, I'll have to go back and listen to it again to get the transcript to make sure what you said. (laughs) And I thought, that's the spirit. These are being sent to the Library of Congress, by the way. These are recorded in the archives. (laughs) But that's the spirit, right? I would rather, and rather than converse with you. With the person who actually said it, yeah, right. And take you at your word and listen to what you're saying and listen to what you're explaining. I would rather go back and look at something you did in a point of time and then use that against you to hold your feet to the fire, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I thought, 
That's the spirit. And yeah, that's the spirit yeah. that's still alive in the restoration where we look at what people do rather than their intent. Mm-hmm. Look at what they say and document it and write it down. And you attended this meeting on this day and you believed in this and you gave this testimony at this point in time. And then we want to hold them to that. Right. And all of a sudden you're not a loving person and you don't right. love Jesus. And, you and so I want to say to our listeners, Corey and I, record this in real time. I spend hours a week, hours a week listening and editing. I'm not going to go in and take out every misspeak. I know at times Corey has said something and he said the Book of Mormon and he meant the inspired version or or vice versa. A couple of weeks ago, I said to Corey, I said, remember when we were looking at 76 and we started out at the beginning and I said, we agreed to use that lens to view the, the entirety of the Doctrine and Covenants? Well, I didn't mean the entire Doctrine and Covenants. <laughs> I meant the entire section that we were in. Right. Well, you could hold my feet to the fire and say, boy, he's got a slanted view of one of our sure. whole books of Scripture. We have to be careful to always look at the, the person's heart and their intent. Otherwise, um, you know, people misspeak all the time in conversation, but it's not the intent. But when it's recorded on air, and I realize you and I have a responsibility to not mislead people and to say what we mean, but there are times when it's not the intent or it's not even the focus and we say something in passing. And yeah. so are we merciful? Are we graceful to one another? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, and, and to just echo that. Yeah, of course we're going to misspeak. And, and are we authorities on anything? No. Uh, do we, do we try to love the Lord and do we love his word? Yeah. And so do a million other people. And, and hopefully, and so do the people listening to this. And so there's gotta be grace there and all that. But, the, the point you make is uh, is really interesting, Mike, because we're, we're never taught, at least in the Restoration, we're never really taught to check that spirit and, and, and to put it on the back burner. It's A friend of mine once gave me some really good advice because I can't even remember what the issue was, but it was something kind of questionable. Do I do this? Do that? And, and he said, err on the side of love, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, that's, you know, that's a good way to uh, just kind of order our lives in general. Hey, you know what, what was going to lead to love or what was going to lead to harmony? And it's like, you know, we, we can look at that in any aspect of doctrine. And so th- this is just kind of interesting. And, and I don't know the, the, the brother or friend who you mentioned in a, you know, God bless you if you're listening. Uh, no, no, thanks for giving us a little bit of uh, stuff to ponder here, but no, uh, yeah. no ill will whatsoever. The the and, and we love uh, actually. We don't get a lot of uh, actually negative news at all. We get a lot of people saying they enjoy the podcast. We really appreciate that. But uh, we we love it if people have questions or even want to take an issue up. I, I don't. I, I welcome that because um, that just makes for intriguing dialogue and we can all kind of open the word together. But what you say just specifically, even whether it's a physical lake of fire or as a lake of fire, the scriptures say it both ways, just to put that to rest. They say it both ways. But, you know, what's the bigger point? The point is that you're in agony because you're separated from God. And that's, gosh, what... And how do we even know what physical means when there's an immortal body in an immortal world? I mean, physical in that realm isn't probably anything like physical is now, and yet we somehow think we know. And so that's just the general point of all of these contentions that divide mm-hmm. us. We somehow just think we know. Do you know where my mind went? Just This is how screwed up my mind is. As I pondered on this later, I was like, so eternity is not no longer bound by time, and yet... <laughs> When fire burns, you have to have time because you have to <laughs> the flame has to you have to have continual fuel. But if there's no time, is it an eternal fuel that's fueling the fire that's continually burning? Or at some point in time, a fire goes out. You didn't let that one go for a long time, did you? <laughs> I, I pondered. I, pondering sounds much wiser than stewing. Stewing. I stewed. <laughs> Well, it, you know, but it's a good I, I point. I pondered wisely on the yeah, implications. It, it just makes a it just it, it just makes for a a good example. And of I just, was I'll, I'll say this: if this good brother is listening, and you would love to come on and just discuss yeah. this and yeah. why it's important, yeah. email us at Restored Gospel Podcast at Gmail or look us up on Facebook and give me a shout out, and I would love to have you on. And I know because I went to church with this brother, he's a great student of the scriptures and I would love to yeah, hear his viewpoint good. and I'm not putting him down at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would rather have dialogue with someone and I respect someone that comes up and says, Hey, this is what I feel. 
And this is uh, instead of going around, be, you know, he came right to me and just opened up the conversation. Well, and, hey, that's, and that's cool. amazing. And that's that really is good. cool. Right. So, right. Rather than is, just deciding I'm going to avoid Mike Barrett for the rest of my life. No, that's, I love it. So yeah, yeah. that's what you should do. And we're not putting you down, although maybe this sounded but, like it. I you know, just, we kind of have the bully pulpit here, sort of. And I, I do apologize for that because we can kind of say anything we want. I mean, no one has to listen, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it's. Um, we we don't want to do that. We don't want to be right. those guys, right? Who who just then yik yak about people because they can't respond. No, we we would love a dialogue with anybody, especially if you've got questions or even see it a different way and and feel like we're you know we're not right. We are not here to put forth theories. We are not here to put forth, uh, hey, this is my idea, and now and try to get some kind of following of people who just see it our way. We're just like let's read the scriptures. You know, I, I got a message from a, a friend. Uh, just yesterday, who said, hey, just wanted to say I really enjoyed the podcast. I found it recently, and it's been emotionally, spiritually speaking to my soul. And, and you know, I, I just responded saying, you know, it all just happened because of Mike and I used to go to Starbucks and sometimes wouldn't order anything, just talk. And I have to say that Mike is such a good barista. I got here this morning, and he already had Starbucks cup <laughs> sitting here for me, you know, just like it. But nevertheless, you know, um, I, I shared with her just saying, you know, Mike and I just kind of started talking years ago and found there were subjects or questions, maybe of doctrine or maybe just life that I don't know, weren't ever adequately answered. And, and maybe, you know, not in our parents' generation and, and we, we kind of felt empty, but we realized there were times where we felt like, am I the only one who feels this way? And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, you and I start feeling like, wow, these, these questions are not just within me, they're within other people. And that's what made it, easy to talk about. And and I think that's all we're still doing is talking about these things, but trying to open up the scriptures and see what they say. Right. And I, I truly believe that, and I think we do believe in this church, that the gift of the Holy Spirit is given at baptism. And one of its duties, one of its, is duty a good word? One of its works, one of its purposes is to guide us into truth and to bear record of truth. And I believe the saints, when they are, are seeking the Lord without any slanted desire to bolster their own pride, but when they honestly seek the Lord, that the Holy Spirit does that work within them. And so as you and I discuss things, and we may be so far off point, I hope the Holy Spirit works with listeners to guide them in their own relationship with Christ. And if nothing else, know that here's something that that I think we both said we wanted to, to let people know, and I don't know that we've ever even discussed this, for you, those of you listening, do you know Corey and I are from different, mm, I don't even know how to say it, different branches, isn't correct, different sects of the restoration? Yeah, it's, yeah, we're like uh, leather and lace here, just to some people. Uh, I don't know, you can be leather, I guess, I don't know, so, yin-yang, something. Yeah, knowing our history. Yeah, probably not, no one out there really knows yeah, this. Yeah, so the RLDS church split a long time ago, way back in the 80s among other times, but a, a giant split in the 80s when they passed some doctrine that some people didn't believe with. Well, I ended up going into a restoration branch when I moved to Independence in the mid-90s, and Corey has stayed with the Community of Christ Church. But that's never even really, I don't know if that's even ever come up in our conversation. No. Has it, Corey? Uh, no. Other it, than, well, hey, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to blah, blah, yeah, blah. And I'm it, like, okay. And here, do you see this in the Book of Mormon? Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, that, and that's been our friendship. I mean, and that's, yeah, I guess that's a big thing that to some people that probably, maybe if you didn't know, um, hey, you, you know what? You don't have to lose your friendships if people went mm-hmm. into the other church. And, and that's the sad thing is that people who used to worship together now don't or feel like they can. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and so through all of our discussions, I have felt at one with Corey in purpose and in love for the Lord, and yeah. I've never felt like he belongs to a different church because— when we discuss the word of God, I just see this seeking and this love for Jesus and this willingness to do good things on his behalf. And I would would serve him communion. I would take the sacrament with him. I would uh, I would have him administer to me if I was, I've even asked him to do that if I was sick because I just believe he has the authority of God, if anybody does, based on the fruits of the Spirit that I see in his life. And that's what we're told to judge. That's one of the ways to interpret the Holy Spirit is judging 
the fruits. What kind of spirit is it? Look at the fruits. Sometimes those fruits don't come out for years. I've seen, I've learned that recently. Sometimes they come out right away, but with Corey, it was immediate. So <laughs> well, that, anyway, he's, yeah. yeah. So no matter what uh, version of the doctor of the RLDS you go to or community of Christ, I bet everybody's used his website to learn the word of God better. The uh, restoregospel.com. I remember yeah, the back. Secrets out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember not too long ago, you had it down, you were working on it. And I, I was on Facebook that day and there, there was like three or four people within an hour like, Hey, what happened to restore gospel? It's not up. And I was emailed you and said, Hey buddy, the website's down and people are losing it, man. That's, we've just come to depend on that to further our education with the word of God. So Amen. Well, I hope that gives, I hope that doesn't turn off our listeners. I hope it brings us more into fellowship to see what truly brings people together and what does God look at as far as um, what pleases him? Sure. Well, you're so kind and I feel all those same things for you, Mike. I mean, and I, I you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I, I don't enjoy the walls that have come up between people. There are so many good people on, on both sides who, whose heart is for the Lord. And ultimately that's what we're judged by. It's, it's the test isn't over doctrine in the end. Unfortunately, we want to make it seem like it is, but right. I, um, you know, and, and for me personally, over the last 20 or 30-ish years since there's been some splits. I mean, there were splits before we were even around, yeah. but these are just the ones we're aware of. You know, I've, I've enjoyed the fact that um, through maintaining friendships on both sides, and I've, I've had a testimony to, you know— I, Golly, I, I hate this because, I mean, if you're in the restoration, you know what it's like. Some people feel like it comes down to a specific congregation. We are the ones, you know, it's like, and I, I'm just so like beyond that because it comes back to each individual person in your heart. But my um, my my testimony was to, to stay uh, in, in the community of Christ church, regardless of splits and things like that, just because I felt like, Hey, that's where God wanted me to work. And that wanted me to do go, go where God calls you, where you can feel like you're doing the work for him. I mean, and don't let anything get in your way and, and do that work every day of your life and you'll be serving God. There you go. That's it. Um, I, I've just found it's, it's a miraculous, amazing thing, but there are hearts that need to change on both sides of the fence. You know what? But but it's amazing. I, There's plenty of work to isn't do. That isn't that something? Isn't that something? And when we just see that as the agenda that God has to bring people to Him, it doesn't matter yeah. what side you're on. Yeah. Do you love your brother yeah. more today than you did a year ago? Yeah. Well, yeah. if you don't, mm-hmm. then you're not. You're probably not pursuing the right things. Mm-hmm. But and, if and, your love is enhanced and growing for your fellow mankind, you're on the right path. Yeah. And and I'll say this for people who don't know. Um, Community Christ issues and and have maybe only grown up in the restoration. It's this kind of big black box where it all just kind of comes with a lot of negative press. But you know, um, I know there are many people in there who they wake up every morning and their heart is, how can I serve the Lord and how can I help my help mankind? That's good. But I will say this too: if you're if you're not aware, a um, couple things. One. Uh, the, the church has um, changed its view. You know, I know there was a lot of harsh things, kind of both ways years ago, and that's for some people all they remember. But um, the, the church in recent years has come out and realized, you know, they probably went too far. And I'm the, the reason I'm saying this is because the church said, we encourage people to share different opinions. We just don't want you to use the pulpit, you know, the congregation to do that. But um, they have basically said, you can have a differing view. You don't even have to agree with doctrine, and you are still a member in good standing within the church. They they have come out and said, you know, you're you're welcome welcome to share an alternate view. Um, you know, you can you can hold to that view, and and you can be a member. And I think that's pretty pretty good because that wasn't always the way it was. There were certain litmus tests, but they've gone both ways. There's litmus tests on the restoration side, right. you know. But this um, <clears throat> has been a uh, it's been refreshing, and, and they've even put that in writing. It's not just this uh, oral tradition that's now come out. It's like, no, there's there's room to be um, of, of a different view. And so years ago when I was – when some of these splits were kind of going both ways, you know, I was asked to teach a class or share a sermon or something in, in, by people who had um, gone to restoration groups. 
And there was a lot of scrutiny for that, but that all changed over the years. And now it's like, no, we welcome you to go. Um, you know, I, I got phone calls and had to talk to people in, uh, in, in offices because I was asked to uh, sing a song once at a restoration. That's how bad it was. That was early on. But now it's like so totally turned around. It's like, no, go please minister to our brothers and sisters, you know, wherever you can. And it's so I've taught classes and it's kind of funny because uh, for whatever the topics are, you know, people on both sides, if I'm teaching in a community of Christ congregation or if I've been teaching in restoration, um, you know, and I teach them both, I preach them both. Um, when they don't know who I am, they, they're having these engaging conversations after class. They want to know all this and that and the other. And, well, what do you think about this? And, and by the way, where do you go to church? And I tell them, and then the conversation stops. Oh, you know, that's usually, I mean, within a restoration because people aren't, people aren't, couldn't believe almost sometimes that someone could be in the church and still be doctrinally, you know, into the, the scriptures. They think they've been put on the shelf. That's not the case. That's not the case. Right. At all. Right. Yeah. And you, you taught a wonderful series of classes where I go to church within, within the restoration. And I don't know that I've ever heard more positive comments. And I know because people have, reached out to me and said, what's Corey's email or what's his phone number? I want to let him know I'm thinking this week. And I've just, I don't know that I've ever seen it. And maybe it's because we already have those kind of things for, for our members <laughs> and they didn't have your, but I don't believe that. <laughs> I saw the response and it was a wonderful season for us at, at that church during your, your teaching. So not to raise you up, but you have a gift for teaching and anybody that wants to listen to those classes, they're online. We'll, we'll put a link in there. But um, so I think the point is, what do you, what's in your heart? What do you value? What do you value? That was, that was something I wanted to talk about uh, this morning. Corey, uh, one of our ministers in our branch, actually our pastor, he sent out a question and, um, and then him and I had some response and he asked me, he said, well, what do you value? And so I've been thinking about this for now, like three weeks. And I had to actually I actually emailed him and said, I haven't forgotten about that email. I've sat down to respond several times, but that's such a deep mm. question. I'm still pondering how to respond. And so I'm still thinking about that. It was like last Sunday night, he was preaching at our congregation. Well, we had a friend in town from California, and we agreed to get together that day based on some conversation, and we, and we recorded a double podcast that day. We mm. recorded for most of the afternoon. I had four hours of editing probably, if not more, to do after that. Right. So it comes down to this. Do I value the words of our pastor in his sermon that Sunday night? I absolutely do. Do I value talking in this format and getting podcasts out where people can listen to them, especially isolated saints? And that's how this happened. He was out in California and had been listening, and he was here visiting and was just responding to that, and so we wanted to get him on. I value that so much. Right. Well, it's like when the Doctrine and Covenants, I was thinking about this, when the Doctrine and Covenants was written, and we like to still judge our success based on certain sections, and, and so we always go round and round, like, you know, the Aaronic Priest did, how many home visits have you done, and how many homes have you been into? And I look back at that, and I say, well, there was no internet when section uh, 42 or whatever it is that lists out the uh, the duties of the different, there was no internet then, there was nothing called a podcast then. Right. The podcast has gone, has spent 5,000 hours plus helping people hear about Jesus yeah. and think about the word and listening to the scriptures being read online. Mm -hmm. In your home, in your car, while you're running, whatever. Yeah, I couldn't spend 5,000 hours in the homes in, in 10 years, oh, yeah. That's even point. if I tried to visit once a week. And That's so a good point. I just, I'm not saying that visiting is not important, but if there's different gifts and talents for God's people, and he creates us all differently, there's probably 10 other guys in the priesthood that would not want to do podcasting. Yeah, And, you and know, yet they feel comfortable in the home. And I love to go into the homes. I don't want to stop that. But what I'm saying is when the scriptures were written, it was a different time. Are we supposed to just throw our brains away and, and say, well, we just follow this back, you know, hundred years ago? Point. Because times have changed. Yeah, that's a, boy, that's a, that's a really good point because, and it's, and I don't even no, the t times have changed, but it's different even than that. It's like the times are still the same in that people need 
interaction and counseling and guidance and all that. Right. And, and so specifically that duty of the priest to go to the home of every member. Well, it's kind of funny because if it had been written, go to the homes of the members you like, you know, that would have been, Ooh, that's different. <laughs> the, the point is probably like everyone needs ministry. Right. And so when it was, outlining the duties of a priest, for instance, to visit the home of every member. Well, it's it's saying, hey, be involved in the lives of people, you know, find mm-hmm. out, meet meet them where at at where their life and and God come together, you know, in this and and um and to know that, hey, if things aren't good on the home front, how are things going to be good in church? You know, church is one of the best places to put on a face, you know, right, right. And, and lie. I mean, I mean, I don't mean lie, lie, but I mean, you know, to act like everything's okay. And yep. so in the home, you know, that's that's where it all gets set up and figured out. No, yeah, you cannot, you can't, um, there's nothing better than being in the home. And I've chosen my vocation to, to do home ministry uh, through serving in, in healthcare. And I love going into people's homes and meeting them there. I would never underestimate or devalue that. But what I'm saying is there, this is a different time. And so there are so many different opportunities. We have never been more connected right. than we are now. Now, I'm not saying a text message is better than a face-to-face conversation, <laughs> but I am all, I am saying that whereas you may go a month without talking to a brother, now you talk to him multiple times a day through text. And right. so are you more connected or less? Well, that depends on how you look at it. I'm more connected to many people because of the uh, communications that are available. Right. Now, I still have a responsibility to connect on a deeper level and, and not substitute that. Right, right. But there are times when um, you still need to come together, but, um, but you, can, you, can, you can supplement being connected face-to-face by so many other things, mm-hmm. and do they have value? And so we need to maybe change the way we look at our success or what we're doing or how we're ministering based on what's available to us today. Yeah, and, and that's it, it comes back to what the— what the purpose was, the purpose was to to find out what issues people are dealing with and to meet them on that level. And like you say, hey, you know, you've had a po- podcast that, you know, has reached through 5,000 hours of uh, downloading already. Um, people in some aspect of their life where they reconsider their life, they reconsider their relationship with God, they reconsider their relationships with other people, they reconsider their understanding of, of Scripture and doctrine. That's what priests were supposed to do in the home. I mean, and you think when it was written, well, they didn't have any other means or avenue. Right. They didn't have a phone call either. Um, but well, the he, point is to not exclude anyone, to, to reach those people. Yeah, and you're doing an, it. Here's another thought. Like just this week, uh, a prayer chain message came out on email, or you can get it sent right to your phone and right. you listen to the voicemail. Well, you know, so-and-so needed a, a vehicle. Well, that's if you don't have that means, you don't know those things unless you're in the homes visiting. But now we have a way for needs to be met almost immediately you put that out there it goes out and people say hey we've got an extra whatever you can use for a while so there are other ways to also meet i, I believe the reasoning for um, why some of those things were given mm-hmm. and i'm just saying so it comes back to the question what do you value well like last sunday night i valued both things but i felt like i could do the greater good by um, doing what we spent the day doing it was the lord's day we came together we talked about the Lord and we we recorded that and then we worked on putting it out so that other people can be benefited by it. Right. And right. so I find that to have extreme value for some of the gifts that God's given me. And so. you know, I was thinking about that this morning uh, too because I spent a couple hours before we got together working on restored gospel and I I I hadn't tweaked or done anything for a while, but I've been getting ready to do some major upgrades and changes and enhancements and some of those are already rolling out. But I, but I spent a few hours doing that this morning, and I, I thought about that coming over here. And what I actually love more than anything is this universal aspect that when you minister for God, that you're called simply to serve him and that you may never see the benefit or result. Like 99% of the people use the website. I don't know who they are, and it's like, bless you, whoever you are, if you like it, because I just want it to be there as a tool for you, and, and I don't need any praise or feedback or response, because I know that simply by waking up and deciding, hey, God gave me a mind that can understand these things. Let me put it to use to do something. And even if it's just little and minor, if it can help people, that's what we're here for. And so I I see that in the same way. It's like I spend a lot of time and I thought, you know, I looked through just hundreds of different 
files and different things that kind of make up the restored gospel web pages, things that you can see and things that you can't. And, and I thought about that over the years and I thought, what, if I hadn't done this, what would I have been doing? You know, just exercising my thumb with a channel changer sitting in front of TV. But it's like, I've had plenty of time to enjoy life. And I, and I look at all these other things going on. And I think, all we've got is time. And so what can we do with our time? You know, that's where it comes back to the gifts and talents. Decide decide to take a course. It, it, it blaze a path if, if it's a new path that no one's gone down. And just figure out the things you're good at or you enjoy or you want to do for the Lord and, and take a step in that direction. You know, I, I don't remember if we've shared it on the podcast, but the whole Restore Gospel website simply came to pass because – I wanted a scripture search for myself and there wasn't any. And I, I do work with computers and I kind of figured it out even before the technology was there and before everyone had the internet in their home. And it just evolved because I shared it with myself only. And then um, one step led to another and finally kind of got on the internet. And now it sounds like old news because people have been doing this for years. But in the day it came to pass, it was simply just a tool I had for myself that I wanted other people to be able to use. Well, nevertheless, if we take if we hadn't taken one step, we would have not gotten to the next steps, you know. And so I think that's our problem sometimes is that we 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 sit here, you know, it's not like I had some commandment from God. It was just like, hey, just do this. This is this is the mystery of life. When you find that you've got an interest in something, take that next step and do something with it and you'll find that that's probably already God leading you. You know, that's what the scriptures say that when his spirit lead you to do good that's his spirit leading you when you and so you you could be amazed at, at what um what your life can turn into i think in service for other people if you're willing to take that first step and and not worry about the results or not look for some feedback just just do it what do you, and i i was thinking on, about this question what do we value what what do you value, Corey? Uh, recently, I've seen. And you may not want to get into this. If you don't, just tell me. We'll go somewhere else. But I know. But I've been amazed at how you, at some updates you're doing to restore gospel, and maybe that I believe those are just interwoven into what your va- what you value. And you've done some research just in the last couple of weeks. You're finding out, you know, about the internet and um, how the Jews are really connected to the internet. And we've talked a lot about the purpose of the Book of Mormon and restoring knowledge to the remnant of, of the house of Israel about the covenants the father made with them and that, and that Jesus was the Christ, the eternal God. Tell me about how that fits into your value and like what you've been working on. Lately. Oh, man. What do you value or how do you narrow that down into a sentence or two? Like, this is what I value. And so this is why I'm doing these things. <laughs> if you can. I was, yeah. I was going to say, uh, you, you made, you made me confine it to a sentence. I was going to say, do you have five hours? <clears throat> but, but why all of this leads to why? But, yeah. You, you know, you're right. The, what we're doing is a reflection ultimately of what we value. It doesn't matter what it is in life. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's what we value. So I don't know why I, I do know why, but I've had this passion to look beyond, I'm going to use the word Gentiles because that's who we are, the the Gentile church. That's what Nephi calls us. And I see the infighting, the wrangling, and not that that doesn't need some refereeing, and not that God's word can't guide us. But in reading the Book of Mormon, I've realized there's yet a greater purpose. It wasn't just to, to help us define a church. It was to return the world back to God. And and the Book of Mormon outlines how that's going to happen. It's going to take off when it returns to the original people who wrote it. Those are, we call them Lamanites or the remnant of Joseph, you know, uh, scattered Israel. But it's going to return to the Jews too. And my, and it could just be me, but in my heart, I've, I've wanted so much to see the word go back to them just because prophecy indicates that it will, that that's a huge turning point for the world. But, but more so because there are people starving without the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're starving without that, though, too, because the more I look around, the more I've realized we've kind of missed some of these basic messages, these freeing messages of the Book of Mormon. So here's a sentence. I, I'm, I'm working towards trying to make not just restored gospel, but maybe even a, another website be something that can be a direct message back to Israel, to scattered Israel, to the Jews, to the world that can turn them to Christ and have it be kind of organizationally neutral, but yet tell the real messages of the Book of Mormon that that are the freeing messages that they need to hear. I heard something recently, so that was my sentence. 
But um, I was listening to a, a rabbi online one, uh, recently, and, and I, I think we talked about this too, Mike. Um, he's a Messianic Jew, uh, born in America, not in Israel, but I've listened to some in Israel too. Um, this Messianic Jew said the number one tool Satan uses to keep the Jews from a knowledge of Jesus is, and you're going to be surprised at what his answer was, but I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it when he said it because I felt it was so true. He said the number one tool Satan uses to keep the Jews from a knowledge of Jesus is the Gentile Christian church's presentation of Jesus to them. In other words, they, they make it seem confused or muddied or, um, you know, just they see, they hear this Jesus and then they see our actions. And it's like, I don't want anything to do with that, you know? And, and so I've realized that the Book of Mormon has been keeping these answers that were meant for these people from the beginning. I mean, it's their book, and it's like, I want to return it to them. So we've been doing a couple things. Um, There was a Hebrew version of the Book of Mormon that never really made it out to Israel. The LDS Church had one. They retracted it. Um, There was a a group within the— Based on— because of the what the Jews or Israel, yeah, like, it wasn't like they just said, ah, let's just no, oh, yeah, 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 I, that needs explaining. I mean, they they had a purpose, or they were almost forced to, yeah, to yeah, choose right. The LDS, you know, bless their hearts, in missionary efforts, like here, translated the Book of Mormon to Hebrew, wanted to take it to Israel, but I and I, I've not had firsthand knowledge, it's just things I've read. It sounds like they were told by certain sects of the Israeli government who remember they're they're still very much uh, religiously controlled in the in the government saw this as a bad thing they didn't want hebrew book of mormons distributed through israel and and made some agreement with the latter day saints of utah that they wouldn't distribute their book and i've i heard that they even stopped printing it they pulled it back well lo and behold and this is kind of like moses in the basket some RLDS people uh, who I, I want to tell the story. This is going to, I want to wait and let someone else tell the story, though, if we can get her on the podcast, uh, the daughter of the people who did the translation, if we can, um, to tell the family story. It's fascinating. They translated the Book of Mormon into Hebrew in the 1980s, and um, we might be able to get the, the copyright for that. And if we can, uh, there's a chance that we could get that version to Israel. And so the people there in Israel are ripe, and and they've young Israelis who are finding Christ feel like they had Jesus hidden from them. You know Isaiah fifty three, which is a direct message revealing who Christ is. In in certain aspects of the writing, it was altered and removed so that uh, the people would be in the dark. They can't even really get a printed New Testament over in Jerusalem. It's just. They're going to online, and this is what the Israeli government, I'm learning, uh, has kind of done through religious influence, rabbinical influence, but yet they're saying, but you can't keep us off the Internet. Israel is 99%. They're the most connected uh, country online. 99% of the people have access to the Internet, more so than the United States or Japan. Um they, they use YouTube, they use everything else, and they're using this to to learn about Jesus right now. I hope we can share in the information that goes back to them. And so my heart has been there, and so we're getting ready to do some kind of cool stuff, I think, with Restored Gospel and, and some other uh, uh, tools online to get that message to them. I, <clears throat> Excuse me. I truly hope that that when that there's a window i hope that we take advantage of it i i don't know if like israel this is just personal opinion would ever lock down the internet like other countries have um I, because uh the peop because they they they're kind of set up as a free nation and they have elections and um i hope there would be enough people there would be an outcry if they did try to start censoring that in the government especially the way they would look to the U S and to other countries that they want support from. So I hope that wouldn't happen. What I, what I see is happening probably is when it's no longer financially viable for companies like Google and YouTube to allow Christianity or proselytizing or anything like that on their channel and they can get away with taking it off, that that will no longer be an option. And I believe as a tides turn in this country and um, as hate speech becomes more and more incorporated into 
um, condemning anything that Jesus would say was right. a sin. Right. And and they could start using that as um, not no longer uh, going to go along with putting that kind of information on the internet. I could easily see that happening within just years. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, and you know. so that could be the window of of us putting the information out. And then you have to look into your own search engines and your own hosting and, and who has the money or the time or the knowledge to even get that going. Yeah. You know, you bring up some good points and on the hate speech thing, you know, I would, <laughs> I'm thankful we live in a country where people can say things that totally, they say they don't believe in Jesus Christ. They hate Christians, all this stuff. I would rather live in that country where I'm also free to express my will versus live in a country where now you're clamping down on it because it's not an issue of speaking hateful things. The issue becomes who defines what hate speech is, and that's where the problem is. It's the people who don't want religion. It's the people who don't want to hear about Jesus and, and the Book of Mormon. Then they define anything as hate speech because they don't want it. That's where the issue is. So I, you know, give me hate speech or give me death. You know, that's how I feel yeah. because don't don't start limiting it. But you're right. The window right now is now, and so if it, who who knows? You know, things in the Book of Mormon point to you know this whole um, this this whole story of the Jaredites. How this civilization was huge, and 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 we don't have a lot of details, but it actually says there was never a greater na- civilization than the Jaredite nation. We just don't have a lot of information on it. But when they end up killing themselves off, and there's one guy left, you know, who ends up having this record and he's, he's the last guy and he dies, you know, sometime after he meets the, the mule kites, um, this one person, you know, kind of, and, and these had these plates and, and they were left in a place where they were going to find these plates. One person kind of testimony, one person transfers the plates, but then it, it springs up into a new civilization. That person was just like passing the baton in a relay race to the next runner. And and sometimes God uses just one one or two people. Same way with um, just, oh, I don't know, just the Book of Mormon. You get Moroni kind of you know sealing it up, putting it in the ground, and then it reaches one person, and then it goes from there. there there's yeah. several examples of that in the Scripture where— it just took one person responding, and and this is what I'm hoping for. I'm not hoping that somehow the whole nation's converted. I'm hoping that uh, I mean, yes, I am, but I'm I'm hoping that maybe even if it's our place and time, to to simply reach one person who can be a catalyst for other people there, because they're being denied the truth right now. And so you know, it's it's fun to see uh, people respond to God anywhere, and you know, our, all of our brothers and sisters sisters in the restoration, you know, God love us all. Uh, we can fight and argue about all these little points of doctrine and who can be ordained and who can't. But you know what? I, God's looking at bigger things than the things we're arguing about right now. In the early church, it was interesting on who came into the pathway of Joseph Smith when the Book of Mormon came forth. And and I don't think, because I didn't live at that time, imagine though, Imagine today someone like Francis Chan or um, Tony Evans, you know, that you bump into them in a diner and you sit down and you share the Book of Mormon and they're like, oh, my goodness. And then they come on board and then they have all of these congregations. Well, you look back then like Sidney Rigdon and there were there were ministers that were very influential that came into the pathway and it was just one person. And then. From there, because of their testimony, you know, hundreds and thousands of others, they were instrumental in bringing. And I'm, I'm really excited about that thought process that God has already raised up and they're living today, the people that are going to do his work. We don't know who they are. Right. But the exciting part is if you're able to be part of that plan at all, and, and you know, I know there's this website called One for Israel where it is a bunch of Christians over in Israel that are making videos and things about Jesus. And they're actually talking in Hebrew, but the sub subtitles are translated into English. Yeah, right. So it's to their own people. Right. And they have some seminars coming up in America. I plan on going to one of those go. or two of those and bringing some Book of Mormons and just praying to God and saying, if if you can use this, use it. If if we're if I'm off base, I'd rather be off base trying to do this than like you said, sitting at home and just watching TV or yeah. something. Now, yeah. certainly prayer for guidance and things, but I'm excited. That's those. So you value 
getting the word of God as contained in the Book of Mormon back to the to the people that it talks about, and you feel like you've you've got the brains. That, <laughs> I'm really. I know you're going to say something. I know, but, 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 but I know I set you up too easy. Yeah. I know that you have a, a certain stewardship and talents for doing things on the internet and computer programming that a lot of people don't have, and so you've used that. And I know you you'd say you don't know hardly anything and you have to research it all, but that's your talent. You know how to do that. So anyway, that's what we value. It's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing to ask ourselves. What do I value? Well, what do I, value? I, you know, you're kind of appreciate that. I was just thinking too, Mike, about just everything you're doing with the podcast and, and not, you know, just cause you said something nice, I'll say something nice, but I, but I want to, you know, think about, you know, a few months ago, what you've done with the podcast, it, it wasn't even, it, it wasn't even an idea. It was just like all of a sudden one little thing leads to the next leads to the next. And it's like, Hey, you figured out how to, how to set up the podcast online. I mean, remember we had the conversations just over the summer about how do you even, how, where do you even put it? What do you do? You know, where, where do you download it? All that stuff. And then just one thing leads to another, but how God uses that of the willing heart. And it's like, Hey, just, you know, if you're thinking, Lord, you know, I wish you could use me Just say, Lord, I have a willing heart, you know, would you, would you show me one door I can open and, and that'll lead to more. Well, we, uh, we thank you for being here. Um, uh, we'll pick up next week with the remainder of this episode. Uh, Corey, why don't you send our, remind our, our listeners what we are engaged in. We are just walking each other home. Be good to each other. Show love and mercy until next time. God bless.